everyone, and welcome to Comfort Watch, a podcast where we talk about the movies that we turn to time and time again. I'm Elizabeth, and I'm joined by my little pink-haired nugget, Chrissy. <laughs> hey, Chris. I'm so flattered that you called me little. You are my tiny little nugget. <laughs> That's how I feel inside, like a little strawberry shortcake, but on the outside. Mm. Well, you're decked head-to-toe in pink today. You really look great. You're wearing... <laughs> Head to toe pink, literally head to toe pink, still rocking the pink hair. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm good. I was thinking recently I got into like a little bit of a funk and started wearing like only brown and was like, I don't want to be perceived by anyone. I just want to blend in. And now I'm like, fuck that. I want everyone to look at me, even if they're like, what is she doing? I, as I sit here in my standard mom uniform <laughs> of... An oversized dirty t-shirt and leggings. Mm-hmm. I mean, go off. Wear clothes that moms can't. And not because we can't, but because like <laughs> you're going to get dirty hands all over it. I'm saying we yeah. can wear whatever we want, but I always do this. Like, why am I going to wear a nice shirt at home when I'm just going to have avocado all over my shirt? I am the toddler. I'm not the mother. <laughs> I'm the person who has jam around their mouth all crusty You know how they say, still. like... It's mother. She's giving mother. mother. The new thing will be, it's toddler. She's toddler. I've always said my style is toddler chic. Yes. And I love like a romper, a fluff, a frill. If there's like a panda on it, I'm going to wear it. If Miss Frizzle was... An idiot? No. <laughs> if Miss Frizzle didn't have a master's in education. No. I was going to say, if like Miss Frizzle was in her off-duty street style, that would be you. Uh, yeah, that, that would be me. That would, yeah, I don't I don't enjoy... She's she's a little buttoned up to the neck and a little bit of a A-line frock. Not yeah. really my jam. If she was like a, a little bit more hoochie. But she loves an accessory. She loves, you know, a pattern, just like you. The problem is everything I own is a pattern and so nothing goes together. Or does everything go together? That's what just... I think. If they don't know where to look, how can they tell you it's wrong? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, this week, we are watching Runaway Bride, a film that holds a very dear place in both of our hearts, but I would say you are more of the Runaway Bride person. I just think Pretty Woman walked so Runaway Bride could literally run. <laughs> <laughs> could get in a FedEx truck and ride. As I think that this is the culmination of all of that amazing chemistry from Pretty Woman, this is what it had to grow up and become. This is rom-com culture. Mm-hmm. This is like, so like, I know Pretty Woman, we did talk about, it is a rom-com, but it's not, I don't think it's in the right era of rom-coms. It's a little early. It's a little... It's not romming and comming. No. It's just romming with a few laughs. Yes, but it was, I think it was building, doing the building blocks of what would become the genre, but it wasn't quite there. Whereas this is in the height, the late 1990s, early 2000s is like right in the beautiful little time where every movie was just so great. Like it's oh, so nostalgic to watch these movies. Let's set the scene of this movie. It's 1999. It's nine years after Pretty Woman. So when we talk about Pretty Woman, we were, I was three, you were two. Yeah. Now I'm... What, 11? 11? <laughs> Fast math, 12? Am I yeah. 12? You're 12, yeah. Uh, I'm 11. You're 11. Do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? I do. I saw it at Fiesta Mall in Stony Creek, Ontario. We don't live there now, so it's okay to see. <laughs> and it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't anymore. exist. It's now, it's now a grocery store, but it was... 
oddly like a cheap movie theater. I don't think it had many theaters in it, like a many different rooms. But we, I remember my my mom. I saw like I ever kept up on what was coming out, but my mom did. So she was like, "Today we're gonna go see this movie," and I'm pretty sure we saw it at like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Great time, and I loved it. Loved it. Did you understand every joke that was being made? Absolutely not. No. I had no idea what was happening. I was just like, I got my popcorn, I got my Skittles, I got my mom. It's a great day. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I don't remember seeing this movie for the first time, but I just feel like it's always been in me. Like, I don't, like, there are certain movies that I remember sitting down in the theater and being like, for for good or bad, remembering the experience. This one I just knew that I loved. Like, I remember seeing Notting Hill in theaters. I remember seeing Aaron Brockovich, but I don't remember, for some reason, seeing this one. Interesting. It's one of those movies that I used to love this, and I still get this sometimes. When you go to the movies and it's a really good movie that makes you feel really good, when you leave, you're, like, a little bit high and, like, super talkative. And, like, I remember coming out of Josie and the Pussycats and thinking I was a rock star. Wow. And this movie, I remember coming out and being, like, feeling high from the the laughing and the the joy from it i think that we were also of the age where when a movie ended like it wasn't like when a plane was landing and people clapped it was annoying but if a movie was good people clapped at it going to the movies was a true like experience still people still saw it as like like a a special thing to do Mm -hmm. we didn't get dressed up or anything but it was still felt more special than it does now even though it costs insanely more way more like if you were saying i went to the movies tonight i'd be like wow what a night out <laughs> yeah oh you had a spare hundred dollars yeah on exactly you? that sounds fantastic i just, i always remember we went to the movies a lot as kids it was like a very common outing but i always remember i was you wouldn't know it but i was a very tiny 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 child like <laughs> skinty skinty little girl and when we were little, the movie, I think some movie theaters still have this, but the seats used to pop up on their own, right? Mm-hmm. If you weren't sitting on them. But I was so skinty that the seat would fold up on me while I was sitting in it. And I'd be like, mom, mom. So my mom used to put her purse, because her purse weighed more than me, on the seat with me. So oh. I'd put it behind me and I'd sit on the edge. So I didn't get so That is so funny. Seat. I definitely remember by like your knees are like up in your chest sometimes. Yes. Yeah, and sometimes you'd feel it happening during the movie, and you're like, oh, exactly. that's swallowing me whole. And then we'd have, like, a big tote bag, and my mom would pull out microwave popcorn. Wait a popped. second. You guys were the people who snuck in, in... cans of Coke, microwave popcorn. Ugh. Just to save a dollar, or just because you liked it better? Just because it's like, we. my parents are very much of the, we, we have food at home okay. people. Why would we eat out, we have food at home? Okay, this, yeah. I mean, this makes sense. Man, I used to look at those people just side-eyes <laughs> being like, how sad. Recently, I went to see Don't Worry Darling by myself, and I brought juice boxes and M&Ms and <laughs> took them out of my bag like I was committing a crime Wow! <laughs> at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Wow. I wore sweatpants. It was beautiful, though. I highly recommend if anyone needs a little break from life. I think this is a perfect afternoon movie watch. Oh, Yes. So I want to just know, why does this comfort movie hit so hard for you? The one thing I always loved and would think back on is I loved all the wedding dresses. Mm. I'm definitely someone who not really fantasized my own wedding, but loved weddings as a child. And I loved like all the wedding shows on TLC. Oh gosh, a wedding story. Yes. Then followed by a baby story, followed by bringing home baby. (laughs) 
And then, yeah, so it's the dress and, yeah, all those shows. And I loved, not that there's really fashion in between, but I loved the the concept of all of her weddings being so different and all yeah. of her wedding dresses. Exactly. And that's something that always stuck with me. Yeah, I loved the bridal looks. That is something that definitely stands out the most in this movie is how varied all of the weddings are. But I have some facts about the movie before we get into it. Yeah, I want Just to hear them. a few of the basics before we dive into the plot. Actually, maybe we should start with the plot. For those of you who have not seen <laughs> Runaway Bride, give us the elevator pitch, Chris. So there's this beautiful woman who is a little rough around the edges, who somehow gets men to propose to her over and over and over again. And then she is committed all the way up until the day of the wedding, the moment of the wedding, and then runs. And she does it in various ways, but she becomes a joke in this town and well-known in this town. And, you know, as rom-coms do, they set up a little situation for Richard Gere, who is... A New York reporter. Of course he is. For USA Today. Yes. For him to find out about this story of this woman who always runs and she's about to get married again. So he writes an article about her that is not research. Not research. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can attest this as someone who works in uh, journalism that you can't just write a story about someone and not fact check any of it. Not at all. No. And then because of that, he gets fired. So he makes it his personal mission to to make sure he captures or is right about the moment that she will run on her fourth wedding. So he like picks up his life and moves to the small town just to watch her run. And that's that's in the first literally ten minutes. Like you, that happens very fast. It does. It gets there very quickly. Unlike Pretty Woman, this is almost too quick of a setup. Yes, it's like. He's at a bar, a guy in a bar goes, you'll never believe this woman who runs her weddings. And then all of a sudden, he's in, where are they even? Hale, Maryland, which is not a real town. Yes. Yeah, I think Richard Gere, it's a little bit of the the roles flipped from Pretty Woman. So she's kind of the uptight one. He's more of the, he has a lot of like comedy moments in this movie. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, as they all men do, Falls in love with Julia. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, she runs from her fourth wedding. (laughs) Oh, she doesn't even make it to her fourth wedding. No, that one she actually doesn't even make it yet. She decides to marry Richard Gere, but she runs from him, which is a twist I did not see coming. That's the name of the movie. (laughs) I know, but I thought maybe she wasn't going to run this time. Yeah, so that's basically the whole movie in a nutshell. But, you know, obviously the actual movie has so much more color to it because there's the local townies and, you know, everyone has funny characters and how they relate to Julia Roberts and Julia Roberts' story. You know, they they backstory her of being like, oh, she was, she was actually supposed to be like an engineer or something. Like and then, a industrial yeah. furniture maker or some shit? I an don't know. ugly lamp maker. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you like, you know, you learn a lot more about it, obviously. That was basically what we told you was the article that he wrote, which had no, no real facts or names or anything. Which we will get into. Which we'll get into, yeah. But basically we are, unlike Pretty Woman, we are now not in glitzy, uh, Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills. We are in a very small Gilmore Girl-esque town. Yes. And it's set up, it has all the trappings of an endearing movie. Yes, there's a barbershop quartet on the corner all of the time. It's full. 
It is fall. Yes. There's so many things. I think just there's something visually about movies where you just, I can't even explain. I don't, I won't even be able to articulate it, but you just look at it and you're like, I'm going to like this. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not the best movie in the world, you're like, I'm in. And for me, that's a fall small town. Absolutely. And this was pre-Gilmore Girls. Yes. So maybe like it's, but it's pretty Stars Hollow-esque. Yes. I loved it. So let me hit you with a little bit of facts about this movie. So this movie, 1999, directed by Gary Marshall, who directed Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. It's reteaming Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. At this time, Julia is 31. Richard Gere is 49. Mm. Uh, it's also starring Hector Elizondo in a supporting role, who was in Pretty Woman. Rita Wilson. Mm-hmm. Excellent delivery by Joan Cusack. And I think this is a pre-SVU Christopher Maloney. I don't know how it was ever pre-anything. He is um, he's amazing. Yes. He is a very much someone you're drawn to in that movie. Like, he stands out. I don't know what he was doing at the time, but he's fantastic. And Laurie Metcalf. Underused? Underused. Aunt and Jackie. They made her a little bit too caricature-y. But I do, I do like a supporting, super like minor supporting. I can't believe it. And Great cast. Celia Ward, mm-hmm. who is not even credited. She's just like beautiful lady at a bar, who mm-hmm. I think is supposed to be like one of his ex girlfriends. Briefly, I, no, I think it was just a date. I think it was just a date. Wow. I honestly, when it started, I was like, yeah, that's his ex wife. And then she goes like, she's like, fuck off, loser. And you're like, wait. I misremember the movie entirely. At one point I said, don't they go into quarantine? And you're like, why would they go into quarantine? That's so I didn't funny. remember any of it. This movie was in development for a decade. And when they approached Richard Gere to take on the role, he said he would only do it if Julia did it. Which is really interesting because in Pretty Woman, when it was in development, they assigned or they had attached Julia Roberts and she essentially begged Richard Gere to do it. One thing I love about this, Julia Roberts was paid $17 million for this movie. Get it, girl. Richard Gere paid $12 million. Yes. For those who haven't heard our previous episode of Pretty Woman, she made $300,000 for that movie. <laughs> now she's making $17 million. It's amazing. A success story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Because we love finances, let's just get those out of the way. The budget on this movie was $70 million U.S. dollars. Wow. Worldwide box office intake, $309.5 million U.S. dollars. Yeah. A success. Absolutely. Some of the things I saw, though, made it seem like maybe it wasn't a success or as big as they had hoped. So I think that's one of the things is that in my mind, because we love this movie so much, it's a hit in yeah. all fronts. Yeah. But it was not critically. It was critically panned. Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes rating is... is, 46%. Yeah, because we had to rent it, and it was kind of almost like, are you sure? Because it showed the Rotten Tomatoes rating. It's like, yes, take my $5. I'm sure. I think 46% is harsh for this movie. Yes. I I don't think things like this should be under 50 at all. So I have some quotes from some reviews. Okay. Roger Ebert called this movie sluggish, and he called the characters dumbed down. However, <laughs> are you ready for this? Yeah. The same year that uh, Runway Bride came out, mm-hmm. another Gary Marshall film that he wrote and directed came out, a little movie called The Other Sister. 
Uh, I do love this movie. Starring... I can't even get it out. The look on... I didn't tell you this part specifically. I waited until we were recording to tell you this. This movie is a movie from my childhood. This movie stars Juliette Lewis Mm -hmm. and Giovanni Ribisi. Mm -hmm. Its budget was $35 million. It earned in total, like internationally... Only $27.8 million. Wow. So in, even though it was critically panned, in comparison, Runaway Bride, a hit. Yeah. Especially for Mr. Marshall. Wait, did they give good reviews to no. the other sister? Okay, so I was like, I really hope they... I think it's 29% or something on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That so, was a movie we used to watch not because it was great, but because we couldn't believe it existed. Yes. yes. If there's ever, I think we don't have the time or the language to get into the problems with that movie. Yeah. Even back then, we were like, this is so offensive. Incredibly <laughs> offensive and insensitive. Yes. But by comparison, in 1999, even though Roger Ebert hated it and New York Times hated it, this is pretty good. It's, pre- I mean, Runaway Bride is pretty good for old Gary. I, I think it's one of his best. I don't, I'm so confused. I know. I'm so confused. So confused. So something we loved about Pretty Woman was that the soundtrack was pretty great and felt very like nostalgic for us. And Runaway Brides, pretty similar in the sense that the songs were all bops. It was a lot of popular music, but I feel like it was a lot of country songs considering it's, it's Maryland. But again, we don't know that much about America. So maybe they're big chicks fans. Yeah, I don't really know, you know, I am a Canadian gal who does not really know her, I know a little bit of my geography. You love country music, though. I love country music, but I I, I honestly think that this movie and the promo for the movie, which featured Ready to Run by the Chicks, introduced me to them because when they're, I think after I learned about that music video, which was them walking down the street, and then it had like clips from the movie in it. Mm I begged my mom to buy me the CD Fly, and it's got like Cowboy Take Me Away. Like, it's got hit after hit on there. In the video, are they all wearing wedding dresses walking down the street? Wow, I do remember that. Yes. And then they also sang, like, You Can't Hurry Love on this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then there are just some great choices that thematically fit with the theme, like, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Mm-hmm. I believe that that plays in the beginning. That's the first song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so fitting because she she just hasn't <laughs> found what she's looking for. <laughs> Maneater, Hall and Oates is there. Uh, well, yeah, that's spot on. And that's what hurts by Hall and Oates. And then there's Eric Clapton. It's an interesting thing in this movie that like jazz is an undercurrent. Because yeah. I I think it would be so classy to, to love jazz music. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you. So the fact that he loves Miles Davis, to me automatically adds like a level of intellect and interest to him it's a good choice for the character yeah i kind of wish they built that out just a little bit yeah she gave him that record i was like why why does he care yeah like i I, and also me i was like give it away (laughs) put on the chicks (laughs) i just think they should yeah they should have expanded on that a little bit or tied it to something more emotional for him i don't know but I just, I mean, soundtrack, 10 out of 10. Yeah, great soundtrack. So solid. Which is important to a rom-com. And as, like, you know, rom-coms progress, like, 
be like, what would 27 dresses be without Benny and the Jets? Like, it'd be really worse for not having it. Right. And I think this is still... I mean, I think movies do this now. I mean, they obviously do because there's an Oscars category of best song. Mm -hmm. But almost every movie that was released had a promotional music video tied in with it. Yes. And in the days of like... I was about to say YTV, which I don't think anybody <laughs> who's not from Canada would know. Canadian 1990s, early yeah. 2000s channel. Uh, yeah. MTV, CMT, VH1, mm-hmm. Much Music. Like, we were all watching music videos. So mm-hmm. that had such weight to it to have, like, a really strong song from a movie. Yeah. And sometimes it was, like, the music video had nothing to do with the movie, but they would just put clips in between yeah. and you'd feel a little cheated by it. Exactly. And then there's things like with the chicks where like they were all wearing wedding dresses. And even with Pretty Women, King of Wishful Thinking, there are, Julia Roberts isn't in it, but there's like a Pretty Woman stand in at some point and they like get out of a limo. Like it's, it's, they, they pay homage to it. Which I love. Yeah. Which I love instead it. of just like splicing the movie in between, which I love, but Movies are the main way I find new songs, which I know is really weird. Like, I don't, I don't listen to the radio, so... Well, I mean, until Grey's Anatomy, am I right? Oh, when yeah. all of a sudden I was like... <laughs> the fray, the fray. Every week, yes, yes. the fray. <laughs> Snow Patrol. Yeah, you had to always have oh, your Shazam name. open every time you're watching Grey's Anatomy. Or even, like, do you remember the OC? Oh, you never really watched the OC, did you? I never really did. They used to have bands on, like, that's how I found, like, Modest Mouse. Well, every ste- well, we're, we're going off track here, but mm-hmm. I used to buy movie soundtracks Absolutely. as CDs, and then you know, even TV shows had like season one of Grey's Anatomy, the biggest hits. Yep. I'm not even sure. I don't know if Runaway Bride had a soundtrack, but I used to always buy movie soundtracks. Absolutely. I not so and it many. wasn't original score; it was just compilations. No, I buy the score, <laughs> the scores too. <Yeah. laughs> like I had Titanic. Oh, and who Lord did of the it? Rings. I didn't realize Titanic, the whole CD was going to be a score and then just one Celine Dion song at the end. And then watching the movie over, I was like, oh yeah, the song only plays in the credits. There's Why no did chicks I think, in this movie? Why did I think there'd be like a whole Celine Dion album? In- <laughs> no, it's just a lot of really dramatic music. That's so funny. But yeah, no, I love movie soundtracks and I like when people put a lot of thought into them and yeah, this movie does it well. Let's just stop and take a break, and we'll come back and talk more about Runway Bride. And we're back. And we're back. So, this movie was basically built around a cast, or at least the movie that was in production for all this time didn't even come to fruition until they were like, this is the cast. Correct. Because Julia had to be there, and Richard Gere had to be there, and if they weren't, this movie probably could have you know, been tossed around again for a long time. I think like when I was, when I was initially like doing research for this movie, I was thinking, I thought originally that it was a Gary Marshall movie made for Julia and and Richard Gere to re-team again. It seems too perfect, but it wasn't. It was actually in development for 10 years. And these are the names. So Pretty Woman came out in 1990 or 1991. Mm -hmm. Uh, in 1992, this movie was supposed to be in production. Wow. With Gina Davis and Harrison Ford as the leads. Interesting. I don't think it would have been bad. I don't think so. I, I think that's pretty good. If you've watched the newer, the newest TV show that Harrison Ford's in called Shrinking, you will see his comedy chops are brilliant. 
you don't realize how actually truly funny he is and he is incredibly good looking even now even now he really is and i think if you look at working girl where he's the lead opposite melanie griffiths like i could i could easily see him as a romantic comedy lead actually i'm mad there he's not for more yeah i honestly think i probably would have seen this movie a lot more if it was him because I'm actually not like a huge Richard Gere fan. He's just like not at the top of my list, but I am a huge Harrison Ford fan. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll watch Star Wars just because he's hot. I don't really even like those movies, but I just like looking at Han Solo in that vest. Okay. So just keep in mind that it was Gina Davis and Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Angelica Houston as potentially being one of the leads. You can't see my face, but it's not a good face. Lorraine Bracco of Goodfellas fame and Sopranos. She's Dr. Jennifer Melfi. Oh. Mm. Mary Steenburgen. I do love Mary Steenburgen. Who doesn't? I think that she is great comically and she's beautiful. But at the time, was she? I don't think she had the star power. I don't know. Um, Demi Moore? Comedy isn't there, I don't think. Here are some other male leads. Before, I'm saving some good ones for you. Okay. Michael Douglas. No. Mel Gibson. Don't say anything you're going to regret, babe. I know, but I love what women want. That was probably something we're going to have to watch. Yes, and Signs is my top five favorite movies. So sometimes even if a person is horrible, if they have, they're in a movie that you love, it's really hard to pull that apart. Yeah, I mean, did I watch The Patriot every day after school in the seventh grade for Heath Ledger? Yes, I did. Yeah, I think in the early 90s, Mel Gibson was very charismatic and very likable. I, th- I mean, he was riding high off of Braveheart fame. Yeah. So I wouldn't have been mad at it at the time. Not now. It can't happen now. Yes, but we'll say time. that. Yeah. Here's another one. Christopher Walken. <laughs> Wait. Why? I, could, I, don't, I don't even have a Walken impression, but like I'm just thinking of him saying, running. <laughs> <laughs> Where was she going? Yeah. <laughs> playing like a Joan Cusack type side character not the lead I I could like would I watch Christopher Walken and Demi Moore no I wouldn't but here here are the good possibilities which I think are actually pretty solid okay Sandra Bullock so I had her on my list of who I would recast which is coming up in the show yes and we will talk about okay uh Ben Affleck and Taya Leone. After Sandra Bullock dropped out, it was re-picked up with talks of Ben Affleck and Taya Leone. I don't think Taya Leone had the star power to be opposite him. No. And I don't think he has the... At the time, we're talking about like Armageddon, Ben Affleck, right? Yeah. I. He's too, he's too, too young. young. Too young. Not that he needed to be like 49, but he didn't, he doesn't have that like, that history to him where he would have had this like divorce under his belt and know what he really wants and that type of thing. Yeah. You know? There's a gruffness or like a a cynic in Richard Gere that needs that age comes with. And I don't think it it would have been, it would have been too young for Ben Affleck. Yeah. I think Richard Gere's whole whole thing is that he never thought this would happen to him and he also wasn't looking for it to happen to him. And let's just say, in Richard Gere and Pretty Woman, hot. Yeah. (laughs) So hot. Richard Gere in Runaway Bride, still hot. Still hot. Not hot enough to pull Julia, though. Mm. She's from a small town. She doesn't... (laughs) From Christopher Maloney? She doesn't get out much. 
No, I think there were several scenes where I said, Mamma Mia. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Mamma Mia. The mark of a good, like, lead for me is if I say, Mamma Mia, to myself. (laughs) And he still has it. There's several moments where he's dressed in tight sweaters where I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, okay, sir. They do dress him a little drab in this, and it's like a little ill-fitting some of the things yeah he is not the high roller that he was in pretty woman i think it would have helped him to for a little bit of tailoring yeah i think that could have went miles for him i think the success of this movie wouldn't be the same had it been anybody else but these two no i don't know i it's a great i think it's a great story either way but i think that the marketing behind i think i bet they didn't even say what the movie was about they're just like julia richard together again that was it like i'm sure they didn't do anything a thousand percent no one even they could have just called it movie and (laughs) it would have been fine people would have been like take my money take my two dollars take my 250 at small i bring my own popcorn (laughs) okay so we know who who they cast who they were going to cast who would you cast if i couldn't have julia and richard which i mean usually We've talked about this a lot uh, in our regular lives. I hate a repairing. Yes. I do not like where I'm supposed to believe in another world that they aren't Edward and Vivian Mm -hmm. or like whoever Meg Ryan plays in other movies and whoever (laughs) Tom Hanks plays. I don't know their names. (laughs) Whoever those. I don't know their names. Yeah. Um, I really think Sandra Bullock Mm would have been great. And I'm trying to think of. 1999 older man maybe stay with me bruce willis mm. Mm. did me more bruce willis. yeah that would have got they have chemistry but did, uh, bruce willis is great in comedy like mm-hmm. uh in uh when he was on friends i thought he was fantastic look who's talking he plays the baby i mean amazing <laughs> just with his voice so funny. One weird pairing that I've always loved, even though the movie that they were in was not a comedy, mm-hmm. is Sandra Bullock and Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. They were in, what was that? Uh, a Time to Kill. Time to Kill, yeah. And I think they briefly dated, but I think those two have so much chemistry. So I would have loved to see them in this role. Oddly enough, I picked another actor from A Time to Kill. Samuel L. Jackson? No. <laughs> Platt? <laughs> I do love Oliver Platt, but no, his wife in it is a very, very young oh, Ashley Judd. Good choice. And I thought, right age for the time, and I, Ashley Judd is like st- like stunning. Like yes. beautiful from every angle, stunning. Double Jeopardy. She's great. She's, yeah. I just don't, I don't think she has the... Comedy I'm, chops. Well, America's Nation might disagree. Oh, yeah. She has a little bit of a comedy chop. Where the heart is. Yeah, I think it's more... I don't think she has that... Like, Julia in this movie is supposed to be unrefined more. She's, you know, she wears... She pretty much dresses like Ashley Olsen in It Takes Two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's gonna want to have to go to the bathroom. Is She looks like... She dresses like a little boy the whole time. And I don't think Ashley Judd has that, like, I would believe she could fix a car look to her. Exactly. So I had her down as, like... Everyone would want to marry her. And Sandra Bullock, I had down as like, she's the every girl. 
Oh. Who I believe would fix a car. If we took Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman from While You Were Sleeping oh. and then put them in Runaway Bride, it would work. Oh, so it's good. Me every time. I love Bill Pullman. Yes. I, I got to keep him in my roster of people to think of. That, that was an interesting thing, too, about uh, Julia's character, Maggie Carpenter, who works at a hardware store. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I would picture Julia knowing how to fix things. And you're right. She does dress like I didn't get little boy. I got Sears catalog delivered to your your door. Like everything that she wore, I was like, I've seen that in Sears, well, head to a, toe. There's a part of the movie where she dresses multiple in multiple outfits like that little boy who yodels in a Walmart. <laughs> Do you remember that kid? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then there's sometimes where she does look like a Sears catalog, and there's sometimes she looks like Ashley Olsen. And I don't think it all really tracks together. Like, I think they were like, what does a country woman wear? It's like, none of these things. She doesn't own a farm. No, but she lives near one. (laughs) No, she lives near train tracks in this movie. (laughs) She cuts through fields. That's the case. So one of the things that I wanted to touch upon that, you know, while we watch movies, here are my pet peeves, which you know. Dirty houses. Yes. Which Richard Gere's apartment in New York City, mm-hmm. very dirty. Cluttered and oddly small. What was his bed? It was like a futon. <laughs> and I don't care how much uh, patio space you have in New York. You got a futon inside. I'm not going in. It doesn't matter if you have patio space eight months of the year. It's fucking cold. And he has like a stack of CDs on his counter. Yeah. And he has a cat that we don't know who's caring for the cat while he's staying in Hale. <laughs> I was going to say Hartford. It's not yeah. Hartford. And the outside of their houses. I don't know why. I love like Father of the Bride movie houses. Like, I want to feel something when I look at your house. Yes. And this house, they plopped near some of all the choices they could make. Mm-hmm. Railroad tracks. I think that they didn't make any of these houses romantic in any way. No. I didn't feel anything for... That was actually something that kind of pulled me out of it a little bit because I actually thought the town isn't as beautiful as it could be. It's not as Stars Hollow as it could be. Right. And nothing felt... I didn't even remember that that movie took place in the fall because I didn't have that nostalgic feeling for the town like I thought I would. Oh, see, I I did. I was all in. Give me us, like, what's she called? Curl up and die. Curl up and die. Which is a great name for a salon. Amazing name. I, like, I... I loved everything about it. It just dropped a little flat on her house. If I was her, I'd get to his apartment and be like, never mind. After yeah. she broke it, she broke in. She yeah. in there. I would have looked around and been like, hmm, where's Christopher Maloney? Yeah. What was his house like? <laughs> he can climb a mountain. This guy can't even clean his house. He can climb a mountain. <laughs> Circling back, though, <laughs> who, who would you cast? You have Ashley Judd. Who would you cast opposite? So I did some research and I typed in a really funny phrase. And I looked up people who played journalists in movies. Because there was a vibe that I couldn't quite figure out. It's kind of disheveled, running on coffee. Yes. It had to be like city types. And I was like trying to figure that out. Like who would that be? So I put down people who actually played journalists in other movies. So (laughs) Mark Ruffalo. From Spotlight. Oh, from Spotlight. Okay. Because he Michael also Keaton has... from Spotlight. Is he in Spotlight? He's in Spotlight, but I don't find him very rom commy. Do you? I guess he's been in some. Mr. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a rom com? I don't know. And uh, Dermot Mulroney plays oh. a journalist in another movie. We will likely do uh, my, my best, best friend's, friend's wedding. wedding. 
So I thought that they both kind of fit the actual, at least someone has cast them in that like archetype before as like a tired uh, journalist who nobody likes. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like a certain edge that uh, Ike Graham, Richard Gere's character has where his clothes don't really fit. Yeah. You can tell he like maybe doesn't eat the best and just chain smokes and drinks coffee. I can believe Mark Ruffalo like that though. Really? Yeah. Have you seen Just Like Heaven? I have seen Just Like Heaven. <laughs> That's one of my, my comfort watches that I don't really tell people about. I think um, I think I like your Dermot Mulroney if mm-hmm. he was just a smidge older. Yeah. Not now. Not now that we know what kind of choices he's making in movies. Yeah. No spoilers, but he is in a Scream movie. Which you love. I do love Scream movies, but... He played an interesting character in it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, Dur- I picture him like in the Family Stone era of his yeah. life. Where he's a little bit of gray. I think he would have done a good job. I think if I had to pick from all of the names that we just listed, I would do, stay with me, Sandra Bullock and Harrison Ford. He's too old for her, but yes. But yes. Yes. I'm sure Calissa Flockhart's a similar age to Sandra Bullock. Yeah, actually, I think yeah. they are around the same age. Yeah, so. It's not like... I would buy it. Let's make that movie. <laughs> Call them up. Make that movie. <laughs> Runner Wayne Bride 2. She stopped running. She's still running. She's always running. That's yeah. right. So I wanted to know, is there something that stood out to you watching it again now? I know we've watched it, like, we watched it when we were 11 and 12, but then in between... I probably watched it like two years ago. You grow up, yeah. But it's it's so strange. Even watching it now, I still notice things and had thoughts that I don't think I've ever had. Yeah, for me personally, I, for some reason, when they originally set it up as she's been uh, engaged seven times and they're like, oh, no, not seven times, just four. Well, three, including the, the wedding that she's going to have with uh, Christopher Maloney. Mm-hmm. As a 35-year-old woman, for some reason, I was like, that's not a lot. <laughs> but I've also never been proposed to more than well, I was kind I was kind of proposed to. Really? Like it was very casual in conversation. Somebody just asked me if I would want to get married on their birthday and oh, I thought, yes. Oh man, and I also almost had a a wedding in Niagara Falls that one time. I know. Yeah, we got You had all, some times. I had some I had some wedding moments in my life. Elizabeth youth as a youth I just, I didn't think that it was, I thought it was really cruel. It stood out to me more how cruel it was the way that they treated her uh, about her failed relationships. Or I don't even want to say failed, her relationships ending. I thought it was, I don't know, for, for me, I just thought it wasn't that big of a deal. I was like, yeah, people, I would rather somebody call off the wedding before they get married and then get divorced. Maybe not like three times get to the moment, but... When you hear it sometimes, I don't know. I just didn't think that it was such a big, like, four times. No, I think shaming a woman for her dating history is incredibly problematic. But I think it's the how dramatically she ends the relationships. If it was just she was engaged three times and things just didn't work out, it'd be interesting still as, like, like, if you were her friend. But the fact that she literally runs away as she walks up to the altar, I think warrants a little bit of people can gawk if they want because she's she knows what she's doing she does after doing it once 
why'd you do it more times? Yeah, I think, uh, yes, you raise a great point. But I don't know. I think I've just like, dating is so messy that I was just like, meh, give her a pass. She's obviously going through something. Oh, and I changed my mind. Like, I wind. Literally, I could be very happily either friends with somebody or happy about something. And then one thing will make me go, no, I want to I want to move away. So I never run into that person ever again. I get it. Yeah, I've I never had too. it while walking down an aisle, but like I get it. So this is one of the things that stood out to me this time. And it was like a little bit like chicken or the egg type thing. When Richard Gere meets Maggie or Julia, I should say Ike meets Maggie. Mm hmm. She's about to get married to Christopher Maloney. And everyone's like, will she run? Won't she run? But there's part of me that thought, well, maybe she would have married Christopher Maloney had Richard Gere not come into mm-hmm. the movie. That was, I never picked up on that before. I was like, well, she was going to run and she was going to fall in love with Richard Gere. But now I'm like, was that kind of saboteur for him to act so inappropriately with a woman who is betrothed? <laughs> but that's why they threw in the scenes where he's like, focus on Maggie, focus on Maggie, focus on me. Because he wanted to be like, oh, he is insufferable. Please run. You're True. not going to be happy with this man. True. Like they, they had to put those in to make him unlikable. Yeah. At least for her. Because you could even tell her face was like a little, she was already kind of out of it. She was falling out of it in that moment. Yeah. I but think, I do think he, yeah, he came there and ruined it. He crashed he did, it. Because you will never know. Obviously, we were moving plot and I know this. But that stood out to me how I was kind of annoyed of like, she could have been it if he had just never came and made a spectacle of this whole relationship. I think if she went through with it, she would have went through with it because she didn't want everyone to continue to mock her, but not because she loved him. True. I don't think... I still don't think it would have been happy. No, but she would have done it. So I think one of the things, though, that we've talked about in the last episode was in Pretty Woman, it's pretty clear that the time is one week. And in this movie, though, it is actually a week, like another week. The wedding mm-hmm. is on Sunday. Um, yeah, the <laughs> we wedding. We don't know what day it is. But when like, we no, say she that. goes, I'm getting to marry him. I think she does say at one point, it's a week Sunday. Oh, she does say a week Sunday, yes. So, again, it's a very rushed time to fall in love. And then Richard Gere is significantly older than her. And we, in the in the last episode, were thinking, why would, you know, what, what would their life be like afterwards with this age gap? And I did some research <laughs> on you. relationships and weddings specifically. And there's, I think they're almost, they're almost 20 years apart. And there's this. A statistic that I saw on a divorce lawyer's website <laughs> that said that if you have a age gap of 20 years or more, your relationship is 95% likely to end in divorce. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. But how do you know that? That's so high. I guess because of as you age, it's going to be different. There's got to be something that's tipping the scales to make it that high. And maybe it's something really unpleasant like... I always think about like when, I mean, look at Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas. Like they have a really big age gap too. I think mm-hmm. he's she, he's the same age as her father or older. Don't you ever though go, what, are they, what is she doing with him? <laughs> yes, but I've also really liked, I've liked older men in my life, but I, I don't think, I think it's really easy to say at 31 and 49 that they could be together. But then when it's like, She's in her 40s and he's on the back end of his 60s. That's that's hard. 
That's real hard. Do you think that this couple would have worked in real life? They don't know each other. <laughs> so the thing that I actually didn't even t- think about the age gap at this point because it does seem somehow more appropriate at this point, even though it's still wildly off. But my thing was, he's a city guy, she's a country girl, and even the, they were saying things before the wedding, like, uh, he's gonna, he's always wanted to write a book, so he's gonna stay here for a while, and it seemed like they were almost trying to convince themselves that this setup could work. She's not willing to, to part from her friends and family, and he's not gonna move to a small town, like... I do think people are who they are. And I know that big city people can move to the country, but like he's been a single 49 year old man living in, in on a futon in New York city. And now they're going to live in the country in some big home and have babies. It's not going to happen, but no. I want them to. <laughs> I think that they could have, because I, when we were talking about this, I am of the mindset that you can make a city boy, a, a country boy, but I don't know if you can make a country girl a city girl. I don't think so. Not not the way she is. Not how tied her life is into this. Like, obviously, people grow up in small remote towns and then go to college somewhere mm-hmm. that's more bustling and end up in cities. But, yeah, I don't think... Especially because she, the things she talks about it were things that she did out of obligation. Like, my mom died, so I run the store for my dad. She's not just going to be like, see ya. Right. Like she's, does, she's, she lives with her grandmother. Like it's, it's, she feels obligated to be there. Right. Like he's willing to get married to a woman that he's known for less than a week who lives with her father and grandmother and runs a hardware store. And he's a, he's a writer from New York. It doesn't make any sense. Well, what I know about writers <laughs> as a writer is that we are impulsive that's true and very and romantic romantic yeah i i think that they could have worked in real life but another stat that i found because i was like how often is it that people actually stand people up at the altar Mm -hmm. and one statistic this is old that i found from the new york times from 1990 (laughs) was it of the thousands and thousands of uh, marriage certificates that are issued each year only five percent are never converted uh, sorry, licenses are never converted to certificates. Yeah. So so somewhere in between the days between where you get the license and actually yeah. have to walk down the aisle, something happens. I, I mean, and beyond love is blind where they stand people up at the altar or say like, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my real life, I've never heard of somebody being stood up at the altar. I see a lot of TikToks about it. Yes. I've seen TikToks where like a girl was like, she's dressed and ready to go. And she's like, we had the party anyway. And it was like, she walked out with all of her bridesmaids instead of her groom. And they already paid for everything, so they still have the reception. I mean, you have to feed the people. They're there already, right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty your, crazy. Get your money back. There was also a t- statistic that 20% of people who uh, relationships end after an engagement. Oh. Which I thought that was kind of low, to be honest. One in five engagements don't don't end up in marriage. I don't think that that's... I guess engagement does seem less permanent, but I feel like once you are engaged to somebody, you feel obligated to go through with it. I think a lot of people get married even if they don't want to because they feel like they've already committed. I, yeah. I think The average engagement is between 12 and 18 months long. Yeah. 
if within those 12 and 18 months, the pressure and stress it'll put on your relationship with family dynamics, like if oh. you're going to make it through that part, to me, you'll make it through yeah. to the end. Yeah. And oh, by yeah. end, I just mean the day of the wedding. Yeah. I don't mean forever. <laughs> forever, no. Because then you have a kid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but weddings are so stressful. And if you can go tackle that together. Here's another question that I have for you. In the movie, she keeps the engagement rings from her mm-hmm. broken engagements. And they're all so different, like the, each of the... And it, it is a funny plot point to see just how much she changes yes. for each guy. I, yeah. Do you think... Who do you think should keep the engagement ring after a broken engagement? I think a gift's a gift, baby. Really? Yeah, you give someone something, you don't ask for it back. If she wanted to give it back, because I would think if I if it happened to me... Depends how it ha- also how it shook out. And this scenario she's always like the offender so i i think that she should be giving them back because like you're the one who broke the engagement but say like your fiance cheated on you i'm i'm gonna sell that thing true but if you broke up because you just really didn't love each other i'd be like i didn't spend like five grand on this this is i I would give it back to them true i think from i think it's more of like a promise for a, a fulfillment like a contract fulfillment Oh, so I think it's like he's giving you the ring or she's giving you or they're giving you the ring in expectation that you're saying I will marry you. If it breaks up before the wedding, I think the ring should go back. If it breaks up divorce and if you have weddings under your belt, you keep it. Interesting. Like if you have years of marriage under your belt, you should keep it. I think don't buy someone a ring if you expect it back True. at any point. If you think that's a good question. Don't even ask someone to marry you if yeah. you think you could be getting the ring back. Yeah. Also, don't spend that much on rings, guys. I'm of the other ilk. I'd say they're going to have this forever. Spend a lot on the ring. Really? Yeah. No. I felt really uncomfortable wearing my ring for a long time because I felt like it was too much money to wear around. I love my ring so much. I'm not wearing it now because <laughs> it'll scratch my son on the face. But I think like the the engagement ring... I think you can upgrade over time if you want to. That's true. You should never like break the bank on it and be house poor because yeah. of an, an engagement ring. But I feel like it should be something that, well, I think it should actually be bought together. And yeah. maybe it, maybe Julia did pick out those rings. Maybe. They're so great. The one that was just the number one from Christopher Maloney, <laughs> give that one back. The other ones, keep them. I think that it was a very, yeah, it was a great representation of all the weddings. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the movie and you see all of the weddings and how her tastes change based on who she's with, one wedding, the first wedding, it's like it's it's like it's 1968. Yeah. Except it's not. It couldn't be. I was like, it's, it looked like straight out of Woodstock, 94 or something like that. Yeah. She had like, like a lace dress and pigtails and daisies and... It was cute. It was it actually was really cute, but it it's crazy how wildly her style changes from wedding to wedding to wedding. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why in God's name on her third wedding they thought, put the girl on a horse. <laughs> why would you put that girl on a horse? That's right. She likes to run. It's so, so true. <laughs> don't get it? her there faster. No, it doesn't make any sense. That's so funny. So... Whenever I watch a movie, I always pick out a character and I do that like super millennial thing where I go like, oh my God, me. Like, Mm -hmm. that's so me. And it's very cringy, but also there's characters where I'm like, yeah, that's, if I was in this movie, that's who I would be. 
who in this movie is you? Like, who do you relate to the most? I think this was this was such an easy question for me because I definitely relate to Julia's character, Maggie. I was going to say, if you didn't pick her, that you're a liar and it's fine. I know, because I really, really, really related to the idea of molding yourself to be whoever the guy wanted you to be. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this goes, I mean, with this could be a therapy session. I could go in <laughs> on it. But I used to just be so grateful if somebody even, like, asked me out on a date. Yeah. That I would be, in my mind, I'd be like, okay, well, how can I make this work? Like, you know, we had the basics of we got along, but if he was really into music, I got really into music. Or if he was really into sports, I was all of a sudden really into sports. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I grew up and was like, oh my gosh, I just have to be myself because I'm so uncomfortable in all of these situations. Then I was able to be with my husband, who we have very vast differences, very different. Very different people. Very different. (laughs) But be confident in it. Yeah. And I just, I thought that it was, I think a lot of people, I don't know, would you say that she's a pick-me girl? I think that's an interesting term. Yeah, I don't think she is on purpose. True. So the reason I was going to fight you, because I thought you were just going to pick a side character because you would be self-deprecating. And I was going to be like, no, because I always say to you that like you're the one who got away from like... Not at all. There's a, I guarantee you there are at least 10 men out there who knows where all the way down even down to florida who (laughs) literally think elizabeth is the one that got away yeah there was a line that joan cusack said where and i wrote it down because it made me (laughs) cringe of how accurate it was where um she dates uh they talk about julia flirting with joan cusack's husband Mm -hmm. and joan cusack says quote I'm charming and mysterious in a way that even I don't understand, crying out for protection. And I was like, that's me all of my 20s. (laughs) Kind of dark, but you don't really know why, what's going on. But I just wanted somebody to love me. So I was like, let's make this work. Yeah. How do you like your eggs? I don't know. However you cook them for me. Exactly. Like that's, I would have, I would have tried. I could, yeah, I could be with a Republican from Florida for a little bit. Yeah. Because I was just. runaway girlfriend. (laughs) No, I was, I was the runaway girl you wouldn't even call your girlfriend, but I still ran away. <laughs> yeah. But they still think about you. That's. I just want to put out a disclaimer that I don't think about myself in this way. That's you thinking about me in this way. I, I'm pretty sure most of your exes still follow you. They still keep tabs on you. So what if they do? I don't even... My exes don't even know where I am. They don't even know if I'm alive. <laughs> because I... I burn the bridge so hard that they're like i hope that woman never comes back here. oh my god i think like although this movie was a really like they made it a real punch like a punchline about how much she changed for men i think there are a lot of women who could relate to that oh there's a huge nugget of truth yes in there absolutely and i saw so much of myself in that oh absolutely i asked um my husband matt the other day if he was nervous on our wedding day and he said i was worried you weren't gonna show up (laughs) and that's and i was so nervous on our wedding day because i didn't want everyone to look at me yeah but i when i the one thing i am like super like surprised by considering my dating history in my 20s that when i got engaged it was my wedding day i was like 
a million percent, I'm not going to run. Like, I'm in this yeah. to win this. Oh, no. I don't remember Me you Me at 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22? No. No. She would have ran a thousand percent. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Who are you? Who do you think I am? Joan Cusack. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> Down to the hair clips. <laughs> and I used to have a lisp. I don't have one anymore, but I did. Why do you say that of yourself? Because I am, I'm the, the quirky, supportive friend to the no, to the woman you're that all weird. the men love. No, I, she says she's weird. Yeah. Quirky. I'm quirky. You're weird. Yeah, I'm weird. Yeah. I am Joan Cusack. Because I also think that, like, I don't know. She's very, I think she's hilarious. I think she doesn't know who she is, which I have no idea what's happening ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm defined a lot by my friends as who I am to my friends is how I define who I am. There's probably a therapist listening who's just like classic, like well, this yeah. disorder. My own therapist is always like, "Are you okay?" Because so I, funny. yeah, I, I talk about myself in relation to my friends. Because I don't know, I don't know who I am unless someone's reflecting it back. Interesting. So I'm, I'm Joan Cusack. That's actually more Julia. No, because I don't pretend I'm anybody. True. I, I don't. I literally can't be anybody else. I thought you were just going to say that you're Joan Cusack because even though I'm the, the fucked up friend, you're always like, we'll help her through this one too. Oh, yeah. Well, have, I, have I left you yet? No, you'd come and get me. A decade of showing up where I needed to show up, whether or not you had shoes on, I was there. <laughs> whether or not you were conscious, I was there. <laughs> I am Joan Cusack. You are. Not for any of those reasons, because you're a very supportive I'm your designated driver in every concept of the word. That's right. Yeah. You're my designated UPS driver. FedEx driver. FedEx driver. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. We're going to take another break, and we will be right back to close up our thoughts on Runaway Bride. Okay. We've talked at length about the film what is your favorite scene from runaway bride so i think it's obvious because i also talked about it in the last episode but when i think of chemistry in a movie i think of the montage of when where i said i thought they had to be quarantined and i couldn't remember why where they basically decide let's get married in a couple days and in that time let's fall in love or let's get to know each other enough to make it not weird that we're getting married in a couple days i love that montage that's a good one i did say the setup for it though was the biggest plot hole in the whole movie because there she kisses him at the altar christopher maloney's like okay i guess we're not getting married punches richard gear in the face and then they are making out in front of the church and they go wait let's talk let's talk let's talk and then he goes well, you are, you have the dress and you, you're, the wedding's happening on Sunday. Why can't it just be our wedding? Which I, watching it again, I was like, what? That's so yeah. out of left field. Why wouldn't you just date? But that's the one plot hole in the movie where I was like, this is not necessary. But I do love the scene that follows where, where it's the montage of. She's on a tire swing or something and he's reading yeah, a book. He's reading a book while pushing her on a tire swing, which is two more motor skills than I could ever have at the Right? And also, if you have time for a wedding coming up, how are you going to take time to read a book? She didn't even have a dress until that week. You think she had anything else picked out? True. No. 
That's very true. That was a good point. I mean, we love a montage. Yeah, I love when they're playing that like card game and on the she's sitting oh. on the table and it shows how like light and like childlike she can be and he's loving it. It is the equivalent of the the necklace box closing on the yes. finger. Yes. I think it that is the same thing for each other. Yes. So I pride myself in having a Julia Roberts like cackle and I think anytime <laughs> in like in her movies like you know how you look for the Claire Danes ugly cry face anytime you can find a Julia cackle moment it's it's mm-hmm. total gold and them playing that card game yeah he's he looks so happy to be like have her laughing it's yeah. amazing yeah that is fantastic what's your favorite scene so before it was when she's uh trying on the wedding dress and she's like, I'm like a, a bell. bell. And she yeah. looks so beautiful. And you could tell that he's falling in love with her. And he's trying to like stop himself. Because now he's like, oh, I see her as a bride. Yeah. That was was it. I do love the montage. I also just love all of the weird moments that he was popping up in the town. Mm-hmm. Like when they were at the baseball game. And she's like, oh, Corey, Corey, Corey. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he's making fun of her. When he's like riding the thing at the football game, like yes. I just Why love, is he there? I just love how he's, he just popped up everywhere. Yeah, he's watching. He's at her house when she comes home, and he's yeah. just sitting with her family. Also, great acting by the grandmother. Oh, she was great. The one-eyed snake. I didn't know what that was as a kid. I was like, <laughs> I guess there's a snake that comes out when you get married. And then my mom had to carefully tell me. Yeah. I hope I never get married. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know what a, what a penis looks like, but apparently there's a snake eye involved in it. Thank God we never had to find out. Never had to close your eyes, think of England. I think that was where, you're right. It's the little moments that make the rom-com. Like, mm-hmm. I love big declarations of love, but I love the small little moments that make you just like, I'm just so happy to be here. Yeah. And we could do nothing in this movie except these little small moments, and I will still follow you to the end. Yeah, great supporting cast. Unlike Pretty Women, well, I think this is a like a much better supporting, well-rounded cast, and they're used more effectively. I think the difference is this is, like you said, it's totally comedy from the get-go. It's like got quirky little characters. It's got more characters that add to it. Pretty Woman is just... It's really, it could be a, a play. It could be like a two-person play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really happen in other places besides a shopping mall and a hotel room. Yeah. But this movie has everything that makes me feel so cozy and I just want to watch it. <laughs> Let's give our comfort watch ratings. Okay. I'll, I'm going to give it, do you, do you want to rate it out of how many uh, FedEx trucks you would give? Yes. I would give it, I think, I don't want to, I don't want to blow my load on the second movie <laughs> that we watched. Because it's also, it's a movie that I do come back to, but it's not a movie that I habitually watch, that okay. I just put on when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that I go, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. I just really like that movie. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to give it a 7, 7.5 FedEx tracks out of 10. Okay. I think I'm going to deduct points for the fact that you're right i don't i don't know every line to it which i feel like the truest comfort of comfort comfort is how i judge a movie mm-hmm. 
And that's true. I don't have any that I say. There's a lot of movies where I repeat the lines in everyday life. I don't have any from that. But it's movie. just an overall feeling about this movie. Yeah. So I'm going to go strong and I'm going to give it a 7.25 FedEx trucks out of 10. It's <laughs> a weird looking FedEx truck. I'm going to say it's not an overnight delivery on comfort, but it'll get you there within three to four business days by ground. It's not the castaway plane, but... No. Yeah. I love a 90s FedEx reference. That made me so happy. The best branding in the world, babe. It, the, the logo is the name. It's it, it was a phenomenon in the 90s. Why did we like the things we liked back then? Like, we I loved FedEx. We don't even, I don't even know if we had it in Canada at the time, but we were like, that's, gr- that's a great... There must have been FedEx. I don't think there was. Do you want to share any comfort recommendations, any movies or any movies that you just watched, any TV shows that you just watched that maybe can help our listeners get into the best uh, mental health space uh, as they can for the week? I have two. Can I do two? Yeah, it's our your podcast. Okay. You do whatever you want. <laughs> well, one is I just highly recommend watching the show Somebody Somewhere. Great. I don't think you weren't pleased with an episode. Um, if you don't mind poo-poo humor, I think it's that show to me, it makes you feel warm inside. I don't know how to describe it. It is a show built on just side characters as well. Even the main character, she's a side character. Like there's it's a community and it's like a, one of those quiet, just beautiful, super quirky, quietly funny shows. And it's, it's unlike anything else that's out there right now. It's not trying hard in any way. And I just highly recommend there's two seasons, soak them up. You can literally watch one in a day, less than a day. And then my other thing right now, don't judge me for this. Um, cause I know you will. I saw a TikTok that said, if you need like like a soft game to play on your phone, not soft, what's the word? Like a like not Animal Crossing, but something that gives you a similar easy comforting vibe. Okay. But is like a game to play. And I don't usually play phone games, but sometimes I need to do something with my hands if like I can't really watch TV, I need to also be doing something else. Just get land the plane. There's a game called Boba Story and you work at a bubble tea shop. And you make different recipes. Did you create this game? I know. (laughs) It is so far up my alley. I don't know if I made it and forgot. It is. I highly recommend. There's no in-app purchases, which is my favorite thing in the whole world. And you just make bubble teas for tiny little pigs and cats and axolotls that come in and order little bubble teas. Wow. I knew you were going to judge me for this. No, I'm just surprised that there's someone, there's enough people who love this to make a game. I'm so glad it exists. I've been spending almost too much time on it in the last little bit, but it's been my, okay, I need to, I need a mental break mm-hmm. and let's just make some, some beverages for some small animal. <laughs> okay. I highly recommend it. So Boba Story in your app store or google play (laughs) okay i am going to say not sponsored so one of the things that i've been doing lately which has really been helping me is going on solo walks not listening to anything while i do them obviously bring your phone for safety purposes or like share your location on your your you know fitness tracker or apple watch or whatever but it is so peaceful to just be walking with your head up no, not connected to any cords. You're just like 
listening to the birds and all the lawnmowers. Like, you're just <laughs> having a great time. Do you find people talk to you, though, so you don't have any headphones Not in? at all. Oh. I have a face that says, don't talk to me. <laughs> or I am... Fall in love with me. No. And would be too scared to talk I to me. I am not greeted by anyone on the street at all. And then I'm going to recommend one of our favorite YouTubers, actually. Oh. I think that if you're somebody who loves vlogs the way we do, mm-hmm. you should watch Carrie Dayton. Oh, good. I'm glad. I love that I introduced you to her. She should have been my recommendation. Don't but she her. wasn't. She's mine. I love Carrie Dayton. She is a woman of our age. Yeah. She's in her 30s. Yeah. She lives in California. She makes great vlogs that just show like her going to a thrift store, her going to a farmer's market, her going to Japan. Her, like an, yeah. anything. She makes a coffee and then she goes, looks like, look what I got from Trader Joe's today. And you're like, I want to know ev- everything. Every fucking thing that you got at Trader Joe's. Down to, have you tried it before? I want to know everything. She has her main channel and she has her vlog channel. Mm-hmm. Both are great. But yes. if you just want, like if you don't have a friend to hang out with that day and you just want to put on somebody, Carrie is a great person to watch. Yeah, I found her when I was going through a rough time. And she, I would just lay in bed and watch her and it made me feel so like connected to someone, even though I didn't have to put in any effort to be connected to that person. And it was bliss. So if you're in a space where you're like, I, I can't be social right now. But I want a hit of social. Yeah. If you're very, if you're, especially if you're having a very anxious time in your life, vlogs are really helpful, but there's some people who are like, Hey, what's up you guys? And it's way too much. She's like. She plays like soft music and then is like, she just shows you making her iced coffee and then shows you what she bought at the grocery store. It's cozy. It's very cozy. And she talks about how much she loves loves coziness too. Yeah. Who doesn't? That, that's a big thing for her. So I, I do recommend, she'll probably come up again because I do love Carrie Dayton. Yeah. And if you just want a social dose, you can just hang out with us. That's also true. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Comfort Watch Pod. We will be here every week with a new movie. Chrissy, what are we watching next week? My best friend's wedding. Yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, we gotta do it. And until then, stay comfy. Stay cozy. Bye. Bye.